Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get it spoiled. <sighs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I've never been more tired than I feel right now. Uh, got it? Yeah. podcast where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. He's David, I'm Beth, we're two very big Doctor Who fans and we're very excited to continue our Who Watch journey. This week we're watching the second ever Doctor Who story, The Daleks. Oh, before we begin, please do remember to follow us on the socials. You can find us on at Who Watch Podcast and you can email us with your thoughts at thewhowatchpodcast at gmail.com. Do let us know what you think. What are your memories of the Daleks? What do you think of the introduction of the famous Pepper Potts? And if you're watching for the first time... What are your thoughts? Yes, we want to hear from you, please. Uh, but first, before you start firing off your emails and sending us tweets and sending us death threats on Instagram, uh, strap in, we are nearing the end of 1963 and heading straight into 1964 with a whopping seven-part story, which continues straight on from last week's cliffhanger that saw the radiation measure reach critical as the TARDIS team walked out of the ship. The Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Susan exit onto a planet which has a jungle that seems to be completely petrified by some sort of force. The Doctor wants to establish where in space and time they are by visiting a city he spots in the distance. But Ian and Barbara say, um, no thanks hun, let's go home. Susan thinks someone in the forest touches her on the shoulder, but that's silly, she's just being a girl. Ian demands they leave in the TARDIS, but the Doctor says they can't because one of the ship's fluid links has run out of mercury and the only place they can find some is, surprise, the city he spotted in the distance earlier. The next day, the team are about to head off to the city when they find a box of drugs. (laughs) Drug danger, guys. Outside the TARDIS, which Susan puts into the ship for inspection later. When they get to the city, Barbara gets separated from the gang and is cornered by a Dalek in the best cliffhanger ever. Eventually, she's joined in her capture by the rest of the gang, who are all feeling a bit peaky. Turns out the planet was, at one point, the subject of a neutronic war, and they all have radiation sickness. The Daleks let Susan out to go grab the anti-radiation drugs. It turns out they were left for the team by the planet's second species and the Daleks' sworn enemy, the Thals. Susan tries to broker peace between the two groups, but while it seems to work at first, the Daleks eventually kill some of the fowls who had come to them for food. All they wanted was a kinder bueno like Jenkin or Big Brother. <laughs> the Daleks try... <laughs> the fowls just waiting the for their kinder bueno. Their kinder bueno. <laughs> the Daleks try using the anti-radiation drug for themselves, but whoops, it's deadly to Daleks, and it turns out they actually need radiation to survive, so they decide to flood the whole planet with more of the delicious stuff. The Doctor and his companions manage to escape with the Thals back to their camp, where they learn about the history of the planet called Scaro, and that the Thals are pacifists, the wet, woke hippies that they are. The TARDIS is unable to leave Skyra as the Daleks took the fluid link off of Ian when they imprisoned him. So it's back to the city they go, but not before the Thals are reminded that fighting is actually good, guys, and they lead a successful attack against the Daleks. At the end, the TARDIS team believe the Dalek race to be defeated when their power supply is destroyed. They leave Skyro, but not before there's an explosion on the TARDIS that knocks them all out. <gasps> oh! Cliffhanger, 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 cliffhanger. Should we jump straight in with our episode thoughts on the Daleks? So... Obviously, this is a classic piece of British television, and I think it's great for the most part. 
there are some parts where they're kind of uh, there's there, there there becomes a lot of complaints in later seasons of Doctor Who, and I think especially like the most recent uh, era where people go, oh my goodness, there's so much, there's so much wokeism, there's so much. <laughs> why are you telling us about? why peace is good and why climate change is really bad and we shouldn't be Nazis and we shouldn't be racist. We shouldn't be Nazis? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got to put, I've got to sell that costume now. Prince Harry gave it to me. It was so nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Delete that Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's all this kind of complaint now from a particular loud but small minority of people. Um, but there were points in this where, I, it's not that I was complaining about it, but, but there were points in this where I was going, I get it. I, I get that this is meant to be educational. I get that this is meant to teach me about things in the world. And I understand that this was like made at a particular time in history where um, the BBC had a duty to educate as well as entertain and inform. But oh, there's little bits where I'm just like, we, we get it. We get it. That is my only complaint because the rest of it is so much fun. I disagree with you. Okay, right. <laughs> Something that I love about doctor who is when it is really in your face with what it has to say Fair, yeah, yeah. and i think that for example a lot of people don't like the jodie whisker episode orphan 55 mm. for that reason but the reason i love that episode is because they're like literally they're saying it how it is yeah and i think yeah. the, the thing is that um none of us humans have ever listened to any of these things and so we do have to just say it how it is yeah you know and I really enjoy when Doctor Who has something to say. It's less that it's less the something to say. It's more when there is so it's that's that's what my problem is. When there's so much context put onto it, when there's so much like history and lore added to it, like the balance isn't right for me between it's not that it's like we shouldn't be saying some of these things out loud. I agree with you, we should say these things out loud because we're not learning. We're not learning. It's more when it's, um, here is the entire history of the species and where where we come from and what happened. And, and it's like, okay, great. And then there comes a point where I go, I want to move on to something else. I'd like to just, it's, it's the same yeah. thing that I found last week when we were talking about, the, talking about um, 100,000 BC um, on an earthly child. Too much caveman politics. Whoa, too, like when it got to caveman politics and I was like, I don't, I, care, think, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I think that that is a testament to how interesting the characters and the ideas and the yes. concepts are. Because for me, I didn't find the caveman stuff to be that riveting, but I was much more interested in the fowls and the and the Daleks and the history between them. Yeah, I yeah. actually didn't find it to be... Like, that wasn't a problem for me. I really enjoyed that side of it because I really like that we're only on the second ever story of Doctor Who. Yet they've thought out this entire... like, And this is why the Daleks are so... Um, iconic they've thought out this entire history for the Daleks mm. and I guess how that would you know the the how, how how that related to life in the 60s was that the second world war had like really recently happened, happened yeah. and so I really like that they have so much lore I love learning about the fowls I yeah I really loved that side mm. of it um, but I can I can see what you mean because I guess that's the thing about it being seven parts as well, is that it very easily probably could have been four or five parts and maybe cut some of that chitter-chat out and you still could understand... You don't really need a lot of context to understand yeah. why they're at war, you know? That's another thing that I actually really like is... Um, so you can get into the conversation as to um, 
whether you think it's right, whether you think pacifism is right or not, or not and we'll leave you to have that conversation in comments and forums, etc. But what I really like is how grounded Ian in particular is in this episode. Can I just say it? I'm just going to say it off the bat. I fancy Ian so much. I fancy Ian I too. I fancy Ian. I fancy that man so much. I really... There's something about him, isn't Young there? Young William Russell. Yeah. Ding dong. And I think many people must have thought that, considering he had a child when he was like in his 60s. <laughs> Oh, wait, do you mean Alfred Enoch? Yeah, he must have been a bit of a lady killer to be... uh... I thought Alfred Enoch was adopted. No, I don't think so. Is Alfred Enoch William Russell's biological child? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, because he dated a woman called something Enoch. That was the whole point. Enoch Powell? Oh, wait, hold on. Could I be wrong? I feel like I... No, surely. Surely not. Hang on, we're going on Alfred Enoch. Right, hold on. I don't want you... I need you to cut this if I'm not right, because I can't bear that I've thought this the whole time. Am I right? Yeah. Right? When, so, because William, 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 wow, I can't say. William Russell is in like his 90s now, yes. and Alfred Enoch is a very young man, and I'm pretty sure he had Alfred when he was in his 60s. Alfred Enoch is 34. William Russell's 98. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, William Russell. <laughs> so, in his early 60s, right? And I don't, I don't blame whoever it was that. Um, made that baby with him because he is quite something <laughs> i can't believe you didn't realize this i thought i'm not gonna lie i thought that i thought that i thought that alfred enoch was adopted because william russell is so old william russell is so old <laughs> Do you know what? If I looked like William Russell and was a man, I too would be having children. If in I'm my that 60s. virile in my sixties, <laughs> God help you all. <laughs> What? Honestly, That's no. I I also have a crush on Ian, and I he's just um he has something about him. He has the riz, he has the charm. Um, he's a teacher, and him and Barbara are so cute. I'm really I'm really getting into them. The bit that I really love is that when he is speaking to the Thals, and they're like, "Well, we're pacifists. We're not going to fight the Daleks." He's just so William Russell, and I guess Ian by by virtue is of a similar age to my grandmother um he's a bit older she would like me to say he's Uh, yeah he's a very similar age to my auntie that brought me up mm, so it just made me think of like like that generation who saw the war didn't partake in the war but would have lost people especially you know if we're assuming that that ian is from london or at least lived in london Mm -hmm. during the blitz um will have lost people uh, will have seen things that were absolutely horrific, mm. and so if you're, and, you know, and trauma takes a very long time to heal from. Um, so him hearing a bunch of people who were just kind of going, "Well, we're pacifists. We're not really down for fighting." Mm. I can imagine like having just having him just seen like what the Daleks can do, probably made him freak the hell out a little bit. Hence yeah. why I think that speech where he's like. No, you need to go and fight. You need to go and and fight these beings. And and, for your and own war and and fighting in that way was so normalized for that generation yeah. that that was a normal thing. Like you know, nowadays I would like to think that we're better than well, we're not better than war, evidently. But I'd like to think that most people think that way. Um, but for that generation, it was such a normal part of like their lives. Like their parents went through a war, and then they went through a war. Yeah. You know, it's. Um, he Ian maybe got a bit triggered by the Daleks and was yeah. like, "You need to fight for what's right." 
Yeah. And I completely understand that well, side of him. I mean, let's talk about like what the the Daleks are there to represent and therefore. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's the introduction to them is utterly terrifying. Uh, a Barbara pinned against a wall screaming while this metal arm just comes towards her. I honestly think that for the most part, this is like the scariest that the Daleks have ever been for me. Mm. And there are some scenes, there's a slight juxtaposition because there are some scenes where they literally just grab the Daleks and push them away and they're like defeated and that kind of takes away from it slightly. But the way that it's shot, the two cliffhanger, the cliffhanger with the Dalek mutant and the cliffhanger with Barbara and the and the Dalek plunger, like... That's genuinely terrifying. And this is the first time we are ever seeing the Daleks. To introduce them that way, I'm, like, I imagine the little kids were like, crap in their pants. So yeah, there's a scene where Barbara's running around in the city and she gets pinned, like she like gets lost and a Dalek comes towards her. And then there's another scene where um, the TARDIS team escape from prison, lol, jailbreak, um, by blinding a Dalek and then trapping it. Mm-hmm. And like, because they work out that they roam around using static electricity they work out how to manipulate the floor um thanks to aladon and his sexy cloak oh his sexy cloak those that will come onto those twinks later and then they power down the dialogue open it up and we never see what's yeah we don't really inside, see it we just see the little tentacly barbara and susan are told go and watch outside and the doctor and ian like look absolutely terrified as they're lifting this being out of the casing. It's worse that we don't properly it's see it, worse. isn't it? It's worse. It's so much worse. What the worse. heck is that thing? All you see is like this claw tentacle thing come from underneath the, underneath the um the, the cloak, cloak. Thing. yeah. And obviously, it's very heavily implied that because of like a nuclear war that has happened, various generations of past thousand Daleks mutated, mm. and the Thals have kind of come back around. The Thals got hot. The Thals. The Daleks. Hot. The Daleks are uh, not so much. I mean. <laughs> Hot if you like bumpers, oi oi. Um, there are people out there that almost definitely do. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> you know, those people that get married to cards. There's someone out there with a Dalek at home having a great time. Hi, Radhi, I see you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but let's talk a bit more about like the, what the Daleks represent. Mm. And you're right that like, this episode is makes them really scary. But for people who've not watched them, like, what do they represent? Well, Nazism. <laughs> I didn't know how to say that in a in a way that wasn't. Yeah, right. How do you? I mean, it's very easy now, like being in 2023 and growing up in the early 2000s and being like, yes, the Daleks represented the Nazis. But this was literally we're talking like less than 20 years yeah. after World War Two, um, and this, you know, these are the stories that are being written 30 years after hitler came to power yeah and and i guess that um it's easy for us to look at it and be like oh you know it's futuristic and it's the daleks and but actually it's telling a, a much more like a close a, i guess a story that's much more close to home for british audiences and that's why like i really love in you know again we'll come to these episodes in about ten thousand years time but when russell wrote aliens of london world war three that's one of my favorite episodes from like a from like a political sociological point of view because it is a, just a massive commentary about the quote-unquote weapons of mass destruction that were meant to be in iraq on the 45 minutes of doom dossier i think including a story a storyline and characters like this so early on in doctor who definitely cements it as like the educational show that they wanted it to be yeah. because you know children growing up during that time 
you know, their parents went through the war and they wouldn't have experienced it. And I guess that, it, you know, it's a it's an amazing way to teach children about like, you know, I guess their first form of politics or yeah. how, you know, I think also ending it in the way that it is is a nice way of showing that like you know inspiring children that good always wins out and if you fight back and you're kind and all that that you can kind of um I guess win the day or be like the doctor and his companions but there is so much commentary about it throughout the story that you're not you're almost not really sure what's the right thing like is pacifism the right thing is fighting back the right thing I don't really I don't really know if it comes to a conclusion to which one is the best way Um, can I read you some notes from my? Please I always do. I always take notes in my in my notes app on what uh, not WhatsApp on my phone, um, and I've got for part three I've got Aladon is hot, the thals are hot, the thals are sexist question mark because Dione says you should have given it to a man instead of a girl. Oh my goodness, yes. And then I put Dione wants Aladon. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So there's a part where um, Aladon gives um, the drugs the anti-radiation medication to Susan, who has to run back to the TARDIS and is let out by the Daleks um, to go and to go and get them. And when she when he gets back to the camp, Dione is suddenly like, Ugh, can't believe you'd give it to a girl. Can't believe you would give it to her. Yeah. And it's like, A, she's 15, mate. <laughs> and B, what is what's it to you? He was saving her life. Isn't yeah. that isn't that meant to be isn't that hot? Yeah. You saved, you saved so someone's hot. life. <laughs> and also, I, I didn't really clock on to this, like, the romance storyline for Barbara until literally, like, last oh, scene. Oh, I. I, I don't think I was paying that much attention to it, but then there was a part of me that was like, get away from her. Yeah, I, Ian's her love. Ian, that's right, Ian. And, but then there was also a part of me that was like, this is so interesting that they've done this already because you see that a lot in, in Doctor Who Companions. Like, yes. you have stuff like that with Ace in the 80s and you have it, you know, with, like, Martha and Shakespeare and... Yeah. and, and I'm just thinking of examples like Amy and Van Gogh. But like um, two of the two of the companions that spoilers, two of the companions that leave in the first Doctor's era, Susan leaves for love for David mm-hmm. in twenty one fifty six. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Vicky leaves for the love of a Roman. I mean, it's quite um, it's quite sixties. It's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, we'll get to that. It's very interesting how. But then, so I was going to say, it's interesting how they're like trying to like pair off the women, but actually Barbara has so much to do in this story. Oh, she and, and I think that, yes, it's very 60s, but they have Barbara. There's a moment, I think, where someone says something about Barbara, letting Barbara do something. And then Ian's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stop her if I tried or something like that. Mm-hmm. Don't know the exact quote. And I just really like, and there's also a line where, where the first doctor says that he underestimated her. And I just really like how much her and Susan get to do in this story. Mm-hmm. And that obviously there are bits and bobs that feel a bit sixties and yeah. Ian's very protective of Barbara. And, but you know, there's a, the whole bit where I like that Susan gets to go back to the TARDIS first. And she's like, yeah. no, I'm the only one that's going to be able to unlock the TARDIS. And also you're like, you know, you're poisoned, you know, and then she oh, yeah. gets to go. Ian's and- insistence of wanting to be the hero and go back to the TARDIS. And I'm like, okay, king we can rest for just a second so he gets shot by the daleks and paralyzed yeah um, his legs his go legs wibbly. go wibbly um and he's like no i want to go back to the tardis when i when i, when I get the vials of medicine i can do it and he's like mate you can't walk and then barbara's hallucinating in the corner rocking backwards and forwards the doctor's out cold and susan's like i'll go I, a i've got a key and i know how to open it 
and B, I'm quick, it'll be fine. And he's like, no, Susan. It is very 60s, isn't it? You've got to stay here. And she's like, I'm just going to go and do it. Bye, see yeah. you later. I love that she got to do that. Runs through a forest screaming, but love that for her. Yeah, the, can we talk about the running? Because it was the same <laughs> in an unearthly child. Why do they film it that way? It's, it's, it's like bizarre. they're on a treadmill and they're only filming her face. And she's like waving her hands in the air maniacally. And it's just, that's not how people run when they're in fear. You can fully imagine Christopher Barry or Richard Martin, who directed this, being like, okay, Carol, what we're going to do is you're um, going to, like, run on this treadmill. We're going to pass some branches by. No, it'll look great. I swear, no, no, it'll look great. Just wave your hands Just in the air and look hands. frustrated. It'll look frustrated, look scared. It's a little <laughs> bit frustrated and a little bit scared and a little bit cute. Just like, it, it's, no, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. It'll look really cool. You, yes, I know that we used it in the last episode, but, like, it'll just look really, really cool. No, we promise, we promise, we promise. What is up with her and jumping on people's oh backs? Oh, my goodness, I love it. Did she... So she does it again, this story. To um, pretend to the Daleks that, like, they're having a yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. So she jumped on the back of a caveman in an yeah. unearthly child, just launched herself at them. And then she launched herself at Ian and jumped on his back during... When there's the scene where they're trying to fool the Daleks into thinking they've accidentally broken the camera. Um, I really <laughs> hope that she jumps on someone's back every story now. She'll because <laughs> Yeah, that should be one of our things. It should be Susan... Ian saying something that sounds low-key or inappropriate out of context should be a count. <laughs> and Susan jumping on people's backs should be a count because... It's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> why, why? What's next? In the edge of destruction, she's going to jump on Barbara. She talk a bit more about like the relationships between the TARDIS team mm. because I'm really liking seeing everyone develop a little bit, mm. and it's nice that everyone kind of has a bit together and a bit separately with each person. Oh. So like Susan and Ian have these like really nice, intense moments where, like, he, like we said, he really wants to be the hero, but like. Oh. Susan is just like, come on, like, give up. It's me. I win. You lose. Ha ha ha. I'm making a Kimmy reference. Um, <laughs> that's just nothing like, yes, yes. I don't know the reference. Yes. I won't lie. I really like that Susan gets her moments with the fowls. Yes. And um, and so does Barbara. And then Ian's sort of like the hero of the story, but there's a lot of development between like how the doctor looks at him and how the doctor mm. thinks about him. And at the start of the story, there's so much deception from the doctor because he's pretended that the fluid link has broken and it, just not giving a care in the world, just sending them all out onto the, towards yeah. the Dalek city, even, you know, and lying to them. And I think that it's really interesting. It's something we touched on last week, but I think that there was an interesting part where Ian and Barbara were like, no, we have to help the fowls. They're yeah. going to starve. And yeah. the doctor was like, who cares? And I <laughs> Not think, our job. Bye. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds because I think the doctor is seeing, it, it almost feels like the doctor we know now has learned from all of the kind humans that he's met, mm. such as Ian and Barbara, you know, like the doctor now would never, unless they said it was a fixed point, but like the doctor now would never leave the fowls in that distress, yeah. you know? So it's like the first doctor is learning and growing as much as, Ian, Barbara and Susan are. And I just, I love that dynamic. And obviously they start off with the deception, but then by the end of the seven part story, you can tell that they're all closer yeah. and they all really care about each other. Bit of like Stockholm syndrome, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really We're lovely. Here of trauma. Yeah, it's lovely to watch it unfold and, and I can't wait to see the doctor develop in that way. And I just wonder when he's going to start being more, taking on more of what his companions have shown him in kindness and looking after people. And it, you can almost see him going from being a time Lord and you know, the time Lords are historically like quite insensitive yeah. about stuff like that to sort of moving more into being the doctor, the doctor. and yeah. getting that from humans. And it makes me think like, that's why the doctor is so 
keen on humans because he's learned so much from them and really loves that they're so kind and i just really like that as an ethos and to see it unfold in this way it's really nice while we're talking about like susan having her moment with the thals one of my other favorite moments in this episode is when susan becomes a dalek secretary (laughs) (laughs) and she's writing that (laughs) because obviously they can't write because they don't have hands i like how you say obviously they can't write obviously sorry obviously daleks can't write guys just to let you know if you've not seen a dalek it has a plunger and a gun and it doesn't have any arms um but so there's a scene where she sat in the middle of this like quadruple Dalek circling her and they're going, please write what we <laughs> dictate. And she goes, okay, I'm going to write this down, blah, blah, blah. What is this at the end of the letter? It's my name, Susan. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it's so funny how chill she is with them at that point, considering how much, oh. how much she like panics so easily. And then she's just totally fine to be sat there writing a letter for the Daleks. And also, like, historically, when we come to, like, the future of what we know the Daleks to be and, like, their relationship with the Time Lords and how all that plays into it, spoilers, there's a war, lol. Mm. But, like, it's so odd just seeing her sat there, like, who are these cool guys? Like, what are they up to? And also just seeing how they defeat them is so funny. They literally just, like, throw mud on the ice stalks and they just sort of grab the plungers and sort of, like bash them in yeah. and like pu- pu- push them pull them. and it's just so funny because obviously you'd never get a Dalek defeated like that now they're, yeah. they're, they are literally the deadliest Doctor Who villain um, but I love the way that they just don't know any better so they're just like yeah let's just like drag them onto a big <laughs> yeah let's drag them onto this cape and they'll be they'll be you know defeated or let's jump on them do you know what I mean yeah. it's just so funny talking about the mud um <laughs> Which, of course, is a natural segue. I really like how physical everything is. Mm. How, like, the doctor gets a Geiger counter and he's, like, checking things and looking at this sample. Barbara, he takes his little samples away at the end. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. I forgot my samples. Thank you, good man. <laughs> um, and then Barbara, to, like, blind the Dalek, is like, Susan, pass me your shoes. I'll use the mud and the water, the, like, the stuff on your the soil and your shoes and the water that we've got to make mud. Like, all these, like, physical things. Like, they're them crawling through the caves. They are very resourceful. Because I was thinking in that scene where they cross the bit of the cave where they have to jump, I was like, they know how to do all this. If I just suddenly got stuck on Scarrow, I would not know how to do any of these things. Obviously, you, I guess it, in the moment, you don't know how resourceful you would be yeah. when, when stuck on an alien planet. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, wow, they know how to do so much. They're so resourceful and clever, those teachers. <laughs> and we were sat here like barely past Duke of Edinburgh. I'm barely having this conversation, David. <laughs> and there's no sonic screwdriver either, which yeah. is really interesting because it's like the doctor's having to like hold doors open yeah. and like, you know, physically like push a rock statue mm-hmm. onto onto the lift to like yeah. push the Dalek away and like do all these very physical things that I just think it's well, really it's not magic nice. is what you're saying. It's not magic. And, and they can like, they realism. can they're like yeah. they they're just like doing what's real. Yeah. What you, I guess, what 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 you would have to do if you were stuck in any situation yeah. is you'd have to physically deal with it. There's no magic wand. No. Um, can I add one thing before we move on? Yes. There was a really lovely scene that really stood out to me where the Doctor was learning all about the history of Scaro and the Thals mm. and um, the Daleks and sort of the surrounding galaxies and universe and stuff. And it was really lovely to see the Doctor, as we just spoke about, the Doctor is learning from his companions, but it was really nice to see him sit down and, and with Dione and sort of learn from her mm. and you know it didn't it didn't feel like he was above her because he's a time lord or because she's a woman or anything like that it was like lovely to see him sit down with a woman and learn from her and trust her that do you know what i mean i just yeah. really like that scene because i think there's you know there's a lot about 
the first doctor how he's perceived in twice upon a time for example is very sexist and i just don't really get i i've never really understood that because i don't really think the first doctor is like that he's a he's, he comes across a bit as a 60s man sometimes but yeah. i don't think the first doctor is particularly sexist and i just really like that scene with them both i will be very intrigued actually you make a good point when, when we get to twice upon a time which features before the 12th doctor regenerates into the 13th doctor an appearance from well not appearance like it's a two doctor episode um from the first doctor played by david bradley and i remember at the time so many complaints from people with that exact mm. thing that you're saying of like this is not faithful to what the first doctor would be and that's not david bradley's fault that's the fault of stephen moffat for his writing about it mm. and I remember going, well, I've got no context to this, so I don't know whether that's accurate or not. No, I, and, I don't think it is. And, like, I think, yeah, it'll be interesting when we get there, having what then, by that point, watched every single First Doctor story, mm. whether I'll kind of, like, be in agreement with you on that. Yeah. I suspect I will, because I agree with most of what you say. Yeah. So you are brilliant. Yeah, maybe, but, maybe we should have picked different people to this podcast who disagree with each other no we disagreed I, at the start we did disagree at the start <laughs> we don't we don't live in an echo chamber guys we need a fight we need a fight we've not actually talked about this and i feel like it's a major plot point that we just have completely skipped over the tardis food machine so in the first story it's in the Bar- first episode it's the bacon and eggs isn't yeah, it yeah barbara oh. and ian are like we're really hungry can we can we can we get some food and yeah. they're like of course yeah susan uh, fire up the the food machine. Bring back the food machine. It's it looks it's such a bizarre. I can in one bite I can taste the eggs, and the other I taste the bacon. If I was ever Doctor Who showrunner, I would make sure that they reference the Eurometer every episode and bring back the food machine. So the food machine, like quite frankly, it's genius. So the food machine is like just a machine that bar, that like Susan enters a code. It prints out like what looks like an energy bar, mm-hmm. and then they eat it, and it tastes like. It tastes like the thing that they've put the code in for. Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand it from, like, a very, tw- like, 1960s view of the future, why that would be really, really cool. I also think that's really, really cool. Um, and I think it's, like, it's like 3D printing almost. You can imagine that being, like, I a literally 3D was pr- thinking about it being 3D printing as you were speaking that. You could, like, put, like, different flavours into a 3D printer's, like, ink. And then make it a three D printed edible. Like they make they make like steak out of three D printing now. Yeah, they do. Um, my friend Ricky, who is a listener, was telling me that they have a there's a vegan restaurant that does like three D printed vegan steak. So you could like if you, it's, this is How? fully the future. Yeah, it is, and it's it's so here. interesting because I'm just. Now looking at the food machine. I was looking at the food machine on Tyler's wiki as we speak. The food machine rearranged molecular deconstructed fungi into whatever delicacy was ordered. The fungus grew in vats in a TARDIS lab. I love it. I love the food machine. I just don't understand why it doesn't exist anymore. So one thing that we actually forgot to do last week, because we were so excited, guys, was we're going to be giving every episode a star rating at five, because um, that's a really good way to mark uh, art and hasn't been proven to be controversial in any single way previously. I'm very, I'm very loath ever to give a one star review to anything. I don't review things very often in life, but... You don't? But, yeah. You're not reviewing everything as you go? <laughs> Artwork, three stars. <laughs> that bus journey, one star. One star. <laughs> But I'm very loath to consider any art to be one star. Mm. My exception is, this episode, no, I'm joking. I love the story. However, um, the exception is, do you remember the um, the Liam Payne album? 
LP. I don't one. want to talk about that. I read some of the lyrics from that, and I ne- I decided I would never listen to it because it sounded horrendous. Can I can I read some of the Laura Snape's article? Because this is a real tangent. Is this relevant to the Daleks, David? No, but I feel like the audience will love it. This is Laura Snape's one-star review of Liam Payne's first album, LP One. If you don't know who Liam Payne is, get a grip. Headline: Liam Payne LP One review. Beware. Former 1D member is on the prowl. One Direction's Mr. Boring lets his intersexual piranha loose with frightening results. Can you imagine if somebody reviewed the new Doctor Who like this? I just, this is so, so stupid. Okay, I'm going to give you, you're allowed to say one sentence from this. On Familiar, he admires a lady who's, quote, shaped like a model or some kind of bottle. Orangina, ketchup, perhaps his leg-crossing <laughs> horror show is another sign of Payne's prudence. LP1 is a terrible pop album, but very effective contraception. <laughs> you just reminded me that um, I used to know someone in Doctor Who fandom who got a TARDIS bed spread for Christmas, and their mum was like, this is good contraception for when you go to uni. No! How funny is that? Whose mum is that? Whoever's mum is that, I want to meet them. I don't know if they're still in Doctor Who fandom, but I think about that story all the time. So I feel like that was just evidence of how low we have to go to get to a one-star review. Mm-hmm. We're not there. I, I, don't th- I honestly can't imagine us giving a one-star review to any Doctor Who. Oh, I think we'll have some at some point. <laughs> I mean, I've got a few examples in my head I right think, now. I but... think, yeah, I think we'll compare notes at some point and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a, have a one-star. Is it five-star? I don't think it is. And there's no. li- I, I think there's little bits that we've discussed and that, have, that will make it clear as to why I think we don't. I don't think it's a five-star story. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic story. So I'm very willing to give it a four-star. Yeah. As I did at an early child. Yes, I think I would agree with you. I would give it give it like a three and a half, four. But I think we should just try not to do halves because it makes things awkward. So I'm going to go with a four as well, yeah. just because it's so iconic. It's yeah. like it, there is so much magic in this. This really feels like the first proper adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much magic within the TARDIS team and the characters. Um, discovering a new planet the Daleks being so iconic so I, I would also give it a four star and I don't know how much of that is down to like just how iconic it is and it being nostalgic and um, you know feeling like it's really the first Doctor Who adventure yeah. but yes I think it's a four, four star story yeah. so should we talk about our fun facts for this week yeah. well my fun fact this week is I just went on a bit of a deep dive and got very stressed and confused about this because I was always um, of the opinion or not even the opinion, just always thought that the Daleks were set in the future. Mm-hmm. And I was just having a little read about, and apparently it was never really said. So there's been a few different accounts. I think the Doctor refers to the Daleks as being in the future, in mm-hmm. like the next story. So on, on TARDIS Wiki, it officially says that it's around the 21st century, which is technically the future. TARDIS Wiki, um, a source of all dollars for Doctor Who And content. I did have a Google, and it does seem to be set around the 21st century, but there's just all different accounts about it. And I just never knew that it was that contentious. And mm. I wrote the Doctor Who Quizbook last year, and one of my questions was about, was basically like, which was the first Doctor Who story to be set in the future? And I put the Daleks, and I don't think I'm wrong, but it it's not as clear as I realised. Um, basically, when Terry Nation, like his original proposal was that the year was meant to be 3000. Um, there's a few different dates that go around. So in Planet of the Daleks, they sort of suggest that that encounter had happened in the past. There's different dates floating around like 2263. 
And also I think the doctor refers to it as a million years in the future in the Dalek invasion of Earth. Yeah, I'm just like sort of paraphrasing. But I, I, I did, my fun fact is that it's so controversial <laughs> that we don't know if this is in the future or not, but I'm going to stick with saying it is in the future. Okay, very interesting. I like that. Um, you like that? That stresses me out. And well, I'm a nerd, so I, well, th- I think that's very interesting. Should we ask the audience, what do you think? <laughs> is the Daleks set in the future? Because I believe that it is. From a 1963 viewpoint. I think it was. I, I think uh, it's yeah. set in the future. Do get in touch. The, the Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. I've got two small fun facts. One's a fun fact and the other is like a myth that isn't actually true. Which would you rather find? But this is the fun fact section, not the myth section. Well, listen, when we get to the myth makers, we'll, we'll have, a fun, <laughs> have a fun time talking about myths. Um, which would you rather? Would you rather the myth or the fun fact? The myth. Okay, the myth is that... Terry Nation, who wrote this story and created the Daleks, and all credit should go to him, um, named the Daleks after seeing the Dal to Ek volume of an encyclopedic dictionary. Oh my God. But he didn't. <laughs> so he made, the sto- he made <laughs> that story is. up. He made that story up to tell the press when they asked, right? where did you get the, na- the name from, Terry Nation? And he goes, oh, I saw the word Dal to Ek of a... He was trolling the press. He was just being an absolute He was troll. being like um, Robert Pattinson. Oh. <laughs> trolling the press. Um, okay, and then what's your fact? My fact is that this story was shot during um, the actual assassination of JFK. Yeah, I read that earlier. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because this story first aired in December 1963. Yeah. You're telling me they were filming like a month before they That's aired mad. it. It's actually such a crazy turnaround. We're sat here in towards the end of 2023 and we're about to get the... 60th anniversary specials, which were filmed last May. Yeah. May 2022. And they've been sat on them for that entire time, obviously doing beautiful edits and making everything look wonderful and color grading and sound and blah, 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 blah. But it's mad to think that the thing used to be that it would be a month in advance. You would have to like cut together an episode of Doctor Who. I mean, it makes me like praise it even more that they put it all together that quickly. And I also, uh, something that I remember reading when I was researching my book last year was. You have a book. <laughs> yeah, guys, I wrote a book. Um, when I was researching book. it, I found out that they, you know, I mean, we knew this anyway from an adventure in space and time, but for those who don't know, Sidney Newman, who had the original idea for Doctor Who, was basically like, I don't want any bug-eyed monsters in Doctor Who. I want it to be educational. And then and then immediately they had to say yes to the Dalek script because they had no other scripts. <laughs> and I think, thank God for that, because yeah. how iconic. You can't always be right, Sydney. <laughs> pow 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 <laughs> R.I.P. Um, <laughs> I have a character of the week this week is quite difficult because almost all of the files have like something to do or say so I picked my background character yeah. after about four episodes yeah. and then he started to speak in the fifth episode oh. but I want to I, I, I want to pick him anyway um, and the reason is that he is the foul that looks like Will Poulter and he has the exact same eyebrows as Will Poulter. For those who don't know, Will Poulter is an actor who is famous for his eyebrows and is in a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I couldn't stop. You. I couldn't stop looking at this out. And then he ended up, I think, dying. Is he the one that kind of saws his saws himself? I think the, so. Yeah. 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 What a shame. R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, so this is my note for that <laughs> background character, the found that looks like Will Poulter. He does speak a bit later. Antidus. 
Antidus. <laughs> his, his name is Antidus. Who is played by Marcus Hammond. Hi, Marcus Hammond. So that's our background character of the week because there's literally no one else. Unless you want to pick Dalek 4 or something like that. There's only four Daleks that were made for this story. I think we should, yeah, I think we should uh, pick the cardboard cutout Daleks at the back of the shots, oh which I... Gosh, yes. <laughs> they don't speak. <laughs> or the cardboard, co- the cardboard corridors. Did you notice that? Yeah. When they're walking down a corridor and it's like, oh, should be lines and lines of corridors and you can just clearly see that it's a drawing. Or we should have picked the, the I can't remember what he's called, but that, that thing that they find in the forest that looks like a weird frog lizard. <gasps> yes. <laughs> he's our background character. Like, it looks like, you know the kind of thing that you would make, at, like your weird like six-year-old cousin would make over Christmas. Out of Play-Doh. Out of Play-Doh and, and like tinfoil. And they would put it on the table and you're like a bit of a weirdo aunt would like stick cheese and pineapple into it. Yes. Like, it's a hedgehog. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's not. That's a mutant creature from the planet Skyrim. <laughs> Should we uh, talk about our quote of the week? Right. You've put down a quote, and I think I've got a, a quote that's just as good. Okay. Well, well, do we do we want to both say our quotes, and then we can pick which one's our favourite? You go first. My quote is another banger from Ian. Um, and there's just... I don't really remember the context, because I just wrote it down with that context. But there is a moment where he says, I can get my fingers in. <laughs> that was my favourite quote. Mine is also a banger from Ian, and it's when he's gripping onto the rock, when Antidus is like stuck in the in the valley um in in the caves and he goes it's so smooth (laughs) i don't know which one i prefer i'm willing to give ground and i'm willing to say that i can get my fingers in with that context is great okay fine because i was gonna say i quite like yours but uh i'm just thinking about when we post this on instagram we have to pick a quote to put on the image i I can pick i can get my fingers and i think (laughs) (laughs) i really hope that ian says something really um that sounds really weird out of context in every story so that it always comes from him i think that this is going to be a challenge that i'm going to set um particular people who do youtube videos in the doctor who fandom you know who you are when we get to the end of the classic series and we've picked all of our out of context rude quotes for the week i feel like somebody should put do a compilation of them you know who you are please please help us <laughs> right let's wrap things up with song of the story um lol sorry i forgot to put the link into the bio for last week but it's there this week i absolutely promise all right song of the story this week i think we're gonna go with yours again thank you you're so welcome don't say i'm not nice to you um i initially submitted fighter by christina aguilera because there's lots of fighting. Mm-hmm. But then there's lots of fighting in every Doctor Who story. Yes. Um, but I kind of like your suggestion, which is Beth. The Great War by Taylor Swift. <laughs> there's a few lines in it that really reminded me of the story a little bit. Yeah. They talk about like planting things after a war at some point, And I was just thinking of the fowls that wanted to grow their food. Um, and also I love Taylor Swift. So there we go. Woo! That's the song of the story. The Great War by Taylor Swift represents the Daleks for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what she was thinking about when she wrote it. Yeah. Um, Taylor Swift wrote The Great War because she loved the Daleks. <laughs> seven parts of the Daleks. This is for my Thal lover. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift wrote Midnights for uh, Aladon. <laughs> There's lots and lots and lots of Doctor Who news at the moment, but I think the main thing we should talk about is while I was literally getting through part five and six of the Daleks, they announced that um, they, being the BBC, announced um, that... (laughs) God came down and said, we will give you the colorizations of a 1960s serial. Yeah, they announced that uh, 
the Daleks would be cut down and colorized and it would be 75 minutes long and look all beautiful. Um, and so that's coming out soon. Um, but When's it coming out? 23rd November. 23rd November. On BBC um, Four. So that that's the main bit of news I think we should we should just little have a little mention because um, it's really cool and it's a really exciting way to get people into Classic Who. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we've already covered the full seven episodes so we won't be doing it again, but um, just a really exciting thing that's happening for Doctor Who fans. Um, before we go, we would love to say thank you to the amazing Reese Connolly for our artwork. Um, we really love it and he's done all our branding and he is open for commissions. Please hire him. Um, he's really brilliant and would also like to thank Hayden Wynn for creating our music our intro our theme tune we are so grateful to both of you guys and please go and hire them for more things because they are so talented and great yes Um, if you want to find us on the interwebs you can find us sorry hold on did you just say the word interwebs yes we're not in 2010 David listen Dan and Phil are back Taylor Swift's released great music. I feel like we're in the kind of mid 2000s. We've gone back to 1989 era. Okay, fine. I feel like we're allowed to get away with that. We just need to. David Tennant's the Doctor again, so we we can say interwebs. Truly, David Tennant's the Doctor again. Dan and Phil are back doing stuff on the gaming channel. 1989 is the current Taylor Swift release. (laughs) I feel like we have a legal obligation to be kind of as corny and cringe for that time. Are we going to start drawing moustaches on our fingers again? Sorry. Do you have those hair bands that people we would wear like round this part no, of your head? <laughs> with like the massive spots on them. Yeah, oh god. Okay. Five, where's five Disgusting. seconds? Where's five seconds of summer when we need them? <laughs> what time we've time, we've, we have time traveled now. Time to be alive that was who else was around then? Depends whether we're talking about two thousand nine or two thousand fourteen. I feel like between that time. <laughs> I was sixteen in two thousand and thirteen. I just need to check if this is still her name. Charlie is so cool, like yes, it is still her name. She didn't yeah, change it. Charlie is so cool, like so Charlie is so cool, like obviously chameleon circuit and trock. Yeah, what a time! <laughs> what a Do you time. know? I was so obsessed with them that I was going to go and see them at the Who shop. They were doing a signing, but She's then I couldn't like... go because of the London riots of two thousand and eleven. From seeing Charlie McDonnell in her iconic era, by the I was obsessed. Riots. I was obsessed with. Uh, with Troc, with Chameleon Circuit. That's so bizarre. If you're around, let's let's get, you on get the pod. Charlie McDonald on the pod. Charlie's so cool, like on the pod. If you want to find us on the interwebs, we are at Who Watch Podcast, or you can send us an email. Please do. We're really <laughs> lonely. <laughs> Speak for yourself. The Who Watch Podcast. Are you gonna? Are you gonna do it? The Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com um, so far, the only emails that we've had are... Oh, no, we've got an exciting thing. We've got an exciting thing. It'll, it'll have happened by this point, but Beth's going to be on the radio on Sunday. Yes, I'm going on the, at the point time of recording. I'm about to, in two days, go on the radio to talk about the launch of the Hooniverse on iPlayer and yes. maybe speak about this podcast. Um, but by the time this comes out, that will be that would have happened. So you can so. catch up on BBC Sounds on, and, and listen to that. We'll try and put a link into that into our bio. But yeah, that's going on Radio London to talk about Exciting. Doctor Who. Um, I can't go for work reasons, but lol, well, maybe another time. Um, like I was going to say, like the only emails that we've had are like invoices from people for doing, yeah. doing stuff. So, apart um, from the press thing. Apart from the press thing. <laughs> so um, please email us. <laughs> please email us. We cannot wait to be back next week. 
um, to talk more about classic Doctor Who. We're talking about The Edge of Destruction, so please do join us for that. Make sure you watch it. It's only two episodes long, so got no excuses, frankly. And it's all on BBC iPlayer now. It's all on BBC iPlayer. Apart from the very first episode. Apart from the very first story. <laughs> Go back to the last episode if you want to find out more about that. We will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.